Well, hi. Welcome back to Truth For You. I'm James Knapp. We've been looking through Romans for the past oh, almost a year now. We're still we're still Romans too. Probably it's my fault because I took breaks and I just got kind of lost track of time. But part of it is just because it is so much filled with, with rich Christian theology. Uh, theology meaning study of God. We get the you know theos, God, ology study of the study of God, and that's what Romans is. Actually, that's what all of Scripture is. But if you find a pinpoint one book that says, you know, hey, we're going to look at scripture or look, look, look at, understand what theology means, it'd probably be Romans. But for the next couple of weeks, we're, I'm going to be doing some standalone messages um, about, you know, just about different topics. I think that's that's what we need to hear. Uh, so the first one, it's about scripture. I call it the title of my of my call of my sermon is called the necessity of scripture in the believer's life um there's no i'm not going to actually attacks this is going to be kind of topical bounce around messages if you want to write these down i encourage you to do so you know so um the famous puritan john bunyan once said this book will keep me from sin or sin will keep me from this book that's, that's, you know, that shows the power that scripture has. Also has the power that sin has, too. We don't want this, you know, kind of vague idea of what the scriptures are. You know, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get into that in a little bit. But if I had to choose a main text, it's probably, it'd probably be Psalm 119, 105. It should be a familiar verse. I'll read, I'm reading from the New American Standard. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the problem we have with a lot of Christians today is that they don't see the use for the Bible. They just say, well, it's a great self-help book or it's a good informational book. But it's much more, it's a transformative book. You know, it's sad as a lot of Christians today just don't read their Bibles. And if you're a believer, but you don't read your word, your word, you're not sharpening your sword. What's good? A dull sword facing a giant bear? Nothing. You're getting mauled. We're gonna see in here in a little bit why this matters. You know, the, it's the same, but the same problem we have today is the same problem the reformers had five hundred about five hundred years ago, when the, the Catholic Church was making all these mandates about. You know, what you can do to get to heaven, uh, pay your way out of purgatory, and do so much work so you get to heaven. But Martin Luther, praise be to God, said, whoa, hold on, that's that's uh, that's not in our, in the Bible, in the, in the Bible. You know, they came about, you know, and so they came understood this as a essential to the Christian faith. The reformers that the reformers didn't have this problem. But so did the Puritans. The Puritans are, are kind of, I guess if you want to say the successors to the reformers, you know when they when they flooded the Church of England, they said the same thing that hey, what you guys are preaching is not in the Bible. We need to get back to the Bible. And so they left and started, and 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 we get some, and, and we get the great Puritans 
you know, John Bunyan, Jonathan Edwards, and many much more. And the Puritans just didn't have this problem. The great, the prince of all preachers, Charles Spurgeon, had this problem. He said, you know, in the downgrade controversy, which basically says that, hey, we, people don't want to be taught the word of God. They won't be entertained. And so Spurgeon said, look, that's not biblical. So he left. You know, but, you know. So we see a theme here between the Reformers, the Puritans, Spurgeon, and us today is that people get away from the word of God. You know, people want to be tickered. They won't be convicted by a Stop convicted by a sword. They won't be convicted by a feather. So why is it necessary? Well, I have eight points. Like I said, they're all kind of jumping around. But number one, most importantly, it comes from God. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped for every good work. God-breathed. They are new Nustas. That's what it means. God breath. God is inspired by God. You know, it you know, you know, now God didn't write up in heaven and then brought and brought it down. He used men and women to write this book. This book that we have known as the Bible. You know, say and we're talking about the divine origin. Second Peter one twenty one says, you know, basically says, it didn't come from man. It came from God, who got the Holy Spirit, who guided their hands. So, if we understand that, once we understand that, then everything else will fit into our lives. Number two, it's our weapon. Hebrews four twelve. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword, and piercing as far as the intentions of the soul, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the, of the of the heart. You know, like I said, you know, if you know anything about knives or swords or any other weapons, you know that if you don't sharpen it, it becomes dull. And what's good a, a dull blade against a massive bear or a lion? Nothing. Ephesians 6, 17, talking about the armor, talking about the sword of the spirit. You know, like I said, we are we need this this is our offensive weapon, offense and defensive weapon against sin, against the world, against the, the devil himself. We'll see that in a little bit. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, In my word, not like a fire, like a hammer. You know, hammer and fire, pretty good weapons too. <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm being kind of cartoonish, but no, this is what Scripture says. Scripture just says, hey, here's your weapon. It's a sword that can pierce not just the flesh, but the cuts, the soul, and the spirit. You know, it can get to the heart. And that is the only way we can reach people is with the Word of God. Inspired preaching from the Word of God. Number three. It's everlasting. Romans 15, 4. For it was written in the earlier times, written for our instructions, so that through the perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. You know? Man. So Paul is, is affirming the Old Testament scriptures as, hey, yeah, no, that is scripture too. There's a famous teacher out there named you know, Annie Stanley who says, no, Old Testament is, is for Old Testament days. We don't need Old Testament anymore. 
No, it's part of the Bible. We need it to understand where we came from, why we are where we are, to know the history of exceeding God's plan of redemption through it. You know, Matthew 5.18 says, it basically says, heaven and earth will not pass away, but my word won't. Isaiah 48, the grass withers and fades, but not the war of the word. Psalm 1989, your word is settled in heaven. Heaven is, you know, there, is, there are three things that will last. God, God's words, and the souls of man. This word is forever. It's settled in heaven. Heaven will last forever. Well, guys, I hope we understand that when I say it's everlasting, it's not just saying, oh, it's been through a thousand years, you know? Yes, you know, people have tried to change it and attacked it, but they've been doing that since day one when, when Satan said, did God not say, or did God really say this? Number four, it's life-changing. First Thessalonians 2, 1.13 And for this reason, we also thank God for, without ceasing, that when you receive the word of God, which you have heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which is also a work in you who believe. Man, I remember the first time I truly understand the Bible. My eyes were open and like, man, I understand now why I'm like, I am the way I am. The scripture tells us we're sinners. And when we get back to Romans, we're going to look at the great texts of total depravity. Romans 3. For all of sin falls short of the glory of God. You know, 2 Kings 22, 8-13, King Josiah, when he finds the word of God, it changes him to say, hey, let's get back to this. And as I mentioned, that's where, that's where the former Puritan Spurgeon did. And hopefully we do too, because there's so much la lacking of preaching the word of God. A good book I recommend is called Ashamed of the Gospel, When the Church Becomes Like the World by John MacArthur. It says, uh, he says, you know, look, Basically says you there are preachers who preach from the Bible, but they're not preaching the word of God. That's huge to understand. Number five, it's powerful. Matthew four, one through eleven. I'm not gonna take time to read the story because I need the story, but basically what happens is Satan is tempting Jesus out in the desert with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of one's lifestyle. What does Jesus use to counteract? He uses scripture, the old testament to say you should not test the Lord, the Lord your God. You, you know, even Satan tried to use that, but he twists the scripture. He does that today. He's, he's done that since the beginning. He does it today. He will do it till his day comes. Well, verse 22, 18 19 says, If you either add or take away these words, you will either add to the plagues of your life, or your name will be taken away from the book of life. Guys, this is powerful. It's just, this Bible is, has been through so much that we forget all the blood that's been out to been through this. Number six is probably the more controversial one, but it's better than signs, visions, and dreams. 1 Corinthians 13.10 For when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. In context here, he's talking about, well, talking about the gifts, how one day they will cease when perfect comes. Now there's a big division between on this word perfect. Sensationists say 
That word perfect means the totality of scripture. Continuous says, no, that, that means when Jesus comes down. Look, now, am I saying visions and dreams and all that happen? Stop now. I believe they still do. But they come from God. But we don't need them because we have scripture. You know? Yes, the, the New Testament. Uh, yes, the in fact, anyone in the old Bible, in the Bible, uses visions and all that to show that, hey, what's happening is, is true. But now we read about it because we believe it's truth. Number seven. It's all about Jesus, Luke 24, 27. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he interpreted unto them the things concerning himself in all scriptures. From Genesis 1, 1, Revelation 22, 21, Jesus is the main character. It's not about Job, not about Isaiah, not about John, not about Paul. It's not about you. I know it's shocking to hear. It's about Jesus. You know, I talk about this one on my podcast, about this new wave card, Nars-Jesus. Basically means narcissistic exegesis. Basically saying you're putting yourself in the story. There's a famous preacher out there named Stephen Furtick who does this a lot. He puts himself in the story. So I often said, when he I often joke and say, you know, when he reads Genesis 1-1, he, that's how he puts it. It's even God created Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, when God created me, he knew that I'd do good. So he blessed me. No, it's not about you, Stephen. It's about Jesus. And finally, eight, it shows we're safe. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's a command. It's also, you know, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. There's nothing more bigger than that. Guys, like I said earlier, if you're a Christian, but yet you are neglecting your Bible reading or your prayer life, I was going to your question if you are saved. Because, you know, John John 3, he says, let me look it up because I can't, I, I, I'm blank right now. But it's John 3.30, the, towards the famous end of... Uh, of, of the written one with the famous passage on 3.16. Talking to Nicodemus. Yes, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see the life. But the wrath of God abides on him. So, we need to obey God. And he tells us to read our Bibles. It's the only way we can know. If, we're, if we know, like I said, it's all about Jesus. God, the Holy Spirit will open our eyes when we read the Bible. What are we supposed to do? Well, number one, read it. Colossians four sixteen. When this letter is when this letter is read among you, have also read it in the church of the Lacedians, and you and you for your part read my letter as coming from Laodicea. You know, I uh, <laughs> like I said, we need to read the word plain and simple. You know, there is no secret to this. There's no saying, man, man, if I read every third word, it's going to show me who I'm married. No. No, just read it from verse 1-1 one, one, all the way to the end. You can read the Bible all the way through or pick a book like John. You know, I love the book of John. Uh, that probably be the next one when I do my podcast on. But, you know, just read it. 
I promise you great things will happen to you. You'll teach you to hate sin more. Two, remember it, Deuteronomy 8, 2. You shall remember all the way which Yahweh your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Throughout the whole, the whole Old Testament, God keeps telling his, telling his children, Israel, to remember what I did for you. I led you out of Egypt. You know, kings, they were taught to write out the Old Testament. You know, I remember one of my stories, uh, Dr. Sanchez at Emmaus Bible College, talked about when he went to church and he preached on Deuteronomy, talking about, you know, to remember, remember what they did and all this. He actually, a lady actually came up to him and said, hey, I've been writing out Deuteronomy, like from Deuteronomy verse 1 all the way to, to 34. And that's amazing. Heck, if you need to write it down to remember, do that. Next, we need to meditate on it. Joshua 1 8. I forgot to write that verse down, but basically it says, You will meditate on this law day and night. You know, sorry, let me just read it for you. I don't want to screw up this verse. The book of this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to what written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have success. Well, first of all, he says prosper, success, a lot of people think you're going to be wealthy and rich and all this. No, it means that when in the context is that God was going to bring you through the battles. We should meditate on this book. Meditate means, you know, think, really think about what you just read. It may cause up some emotions like, man, angry. Like, why, why, why would God let this happen? Or happiness, saying, man, I'm glad God let this happen. Or maybe confusion, not saying, man, God, I just don't understand what you're doing. But God knows what he's doing. Promise, I promise you he does. And finally, preach it. Second thing four two, preach the word. That's that's really all I need to say. Preach the word. You know. Um let me just say this. If you are called to preach the word, first of all, congratulations. It's a big responsibility. But let me warn you with James three one. Do not many of you become teachers, my brothers. Then that we receive a stricter judgment. Man, that's rough. That is rough. God doesn't mess around talking about the mess as a preacher. That's why all these big teachers, they're gonna be in for a rude awakening when they get to, when they meet judgment. So what's the results? Well, one, you will be blessed. You know, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor will stand in the way of sinners, nor send the sea of scofflers. But his delight is in the law of Yahweh. In his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and his leaves will not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Man, that's uh we'll be blessed. We'll be firm. We'll be delighted, and we'll bear fruit. You know, I think that's what all needs to be said about that. Second, we'll be strong. You will be strong. Ephesians 4.14 So that you, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by ways and carried by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. You know, 
when you, you know, I think of little kids, how you can, you know, mess with them because they were weaker, but when they're kind of adults, you can't because they're stronger. And that's what's happening here. Is that the more you grow in the word, the more you come to realize what false teachings are. John MacArthur says this, as Satan is going to attack you, you better climb over a, a mountain of scripture to get to you. And finally, you will know Jesus. John 10, 34-38. Jesus asked them, has, not been, has it not been written in your law? I said, you are God's. If he called them God's or to whom the, father, the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him, when the Father sanctified and sent to the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not know, do the works of my Father and do not believe me, but if I do them, Though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and continue knowing that the Father is in me and I am the Father. Like I said, like I said earlier, you know, it's all about Jesus. He's in the Old Testament. He's in the New Testament. Every story, he, now he may not be in every story, but every story leads to him. So Sola Scriptura is what was a form of famous battle cries. That uh, the reformers had. Scripture alone. But today it was not. It's not saying. We just need the Bible and Bible alone. No. No. Get study Bibles. Get commentaries. Dictionaries. Get Bible software. Like eSword or Quartz. My favorite Logos. You know. There's so many free stuff out there to help you. And yes there's stuff that you have to pay for. But I promise you. You know, it's worth it. You know, Steve Lawson says this about Sola Scriptura. We are not just dogmatic about this. We are bulldogmatic. Sola Scriptura is non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. Like I said, there are some out there who say, well, Scripture can be give or take. No, Scripture is an absolute because, like I said, it comes from God, given to us freely. As you, I hope my prayer is for you as you're listening is that you get a re a loving of the word. It is needed for the church for men to get up in the pulpits and preach and to preach Christ crucified. The only way we can do that is be in the word, studying it, toiling with it, fighting with it, trying to get what everything what the author wants out of this and not put our own agendas in it the value of scripture is irreplaceable like I said when King Josiah found it he rejoiced because it was lost you know I can't I remember this one I remember one time I was going to class and I left my Bible on top of my truck and I and I lost it I was bummed out I was bummed out but then I, I said God oh, maybe someone who finds it needs it more than I do So guys, R.C. Sproul says this all in. It's better to lose a thousand friends or a thousand relatives than to lose the gospel. Guys, I promise you, you're going to have some um, persecution in your life. Some trials. Because you believe in the Bible. Or The more you love the Bible, the more the world will hate you. But hey, Jesus warned us about that, didn't he? 
So I pray at that message you get a refinement for to, 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 to read, to live, to react, and to preach the Bible. I'm James Knapp. This has been Truth For You. God bless.